This is Weekly Woman by Jubilance for PMS. Hey everyone, it's Alice. You're in for a treat this week. I'm chatting with Mealy Pemberton, co-founder of Wing Woman Lebanon, an organization founded to empower women by creating sustainable futures and increasing access to reusable period pads, diapers, and education about periods. We'll be right back after this quick break. We have a special coupon just for you, our listeners of the podcast. You can get your first bottle of Jubilance for PMS for only $19.95 when you subscribe with the code WEEKLYWOMAN, no space. If you're ready to stop feeling anxious and irritable before your period, give it a try. Again, the code is WEEKLYWOMAN with no space for the promo code. And head over to Jubilance.com and try it now. Pronounce your name, Mealy. Mealy, uh, okay. yeah. Pemberton. Yeah, short for Amelia. Okay. Wow. It sounds like um, it just reminds me of uh, Mr. Darcy and Kimberly. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. In Arabic, it means to sway. So when people meet me, they start going like this. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. And I oh. used to live in South Africa, and the staple food there is called Mealy Meal. So oh, they just wow. used to call me Mealy Meal. So weirdly, has funny connotations in different countries wow that's so interesting wait so so what is the food like then what's mealy meal it's like corn oh it's like, yeah I'm not even sure what mealy meal was I think it was like corn might even have been corn flour and water turned into like a it's like the carbs of the meal that you dip into the juice and stuff but yeah oh, wow. I got laughed at a lot for being called mealy <laughs> Really? That's a, that's a nice name though. Um, wait, so you've lived in South Africa and now you're living in Lebanon. Um, what has caused you to move around and become an expat from your native UK? Well, I actually lived in South Africa just after school for a year. First, first midlife crisis. <laughs> then I worked as a teacher. I accidentally became a chemistry teacher thinking I was becoming a primary school teacher. Um, so that was quite hard work. So mm-hmm. I did four years of that in London and then decided I needed a change of scenery. So I actually moved to Australia um, and carried on teaching, but didn't really. I love the kids. I really love kids, but just didn't enjoy the kind of academic side of the chemistry. I'm not passionate about my subject. Mm-hmm. Um, so I quit my job and didn't know what to do. So I just Googled teach refugees anywhere, knowing that I would really enjoy that. Mm-hmm. And it wouldn't be kind of IB, A-level chemistry. Um, so ended up in a kind of middle-age school in an informal education settlement in Cider in Lebanon and was meant to go for two months on my way home and just never left. And I've now been there for nearly four years. Wow. <laughs> no <plans to> leave. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's it's so bizarre. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy how it just was like, I'm just going to go for two months and then you're there. I oh, mean, no. were you stuck there during COVID? Did the country shut um, down? Stuck would probably be a strong use of the word. I chose oh, not true. to come back. Okay. But then on lockdown with my now ex-boyfriend, it probably started to feel a bit like I was stuck there. <laughs> I I had the same issue, <laughs> but just in New York, it was like, get away. <laughs> yeah, but no, I, yeah, I wouldn't say I was stuck there, but there was a straight lockdown. Okay. Definitely. Wow. Can you talk a little more about that? I mean, in the United States and kind of in, I mean, we had very similar political structures at the time. Um, in the UK and then in the United States of 
um, denial of coronavirus and also um, just not not being able to like have a fixed lockdown or fixed rules about it. But was Lebanon more strict? Yeah, I mean, at the beginning, the first proper one, people were strangely obedient. Oh, wow, um, that's great. I think, I suppose, a bit like other places, you know, the first time nobody knew what it was. Mm-hmm. I had a lot of expat friends who flew home. Um, and yeah, people did listen. And then I think, then the explosion happened, Mm. which was quite a turning point for people. They tried only to let NGOs attend to the aftermath of the explosion, obviously would would just not ever have been enough. Yeah. Um, And people refused. And I think that was kind of the start of people, people also acknowledging the the complete crisis that was going on there financially and realising that they actually couldn't be locked down. Wow. You know, if, if you don't have a welfare state, you cannot expect people to stay at home when they have no money. I mean, it just mm-hmm. it's mad that they can even sort of try that. So they tried to do a few more lockdowns after that. And it just it never really worked again. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's similar of everyone not knowing what it was and then um, moving about. But yeah, the explosion was terrible there. Um, I'm so sorry about that. And I hope none of your friends were affected. I know like the whole economy was, so I'm, everyone felt a little piece yeah. of it. I mean, even that's an interesting comment because I think people, the the explosion was almost used as a bit of an excuse by politicians there when actually, oh God, I feel a bit out of turn speaking about the politics, my knowledge is not good enough, but the financial crisis had started long before the explosion. Mm. And that just kind of, you know, it highlighted how desperate things were there, but it wasn't, it probably wasn't, it wasn't the cause of the financial crisis, oh, but yeah, it did highlight yeah. how bad things were. Oh, wow. Um, and and let's turn and talk about like the wonderful things about Lebanon because there are so many great <laughs> so things. Many. What what is your favorite part about living there? Oh god, where to start? Uh, I mean, first and foremost, it probably has to be the people. I mean, not only do I have friends who I would never have friends if I'd never left the UK, but the attitude of people towards us, and I I do caveat that without wanting to be um rude about anyone but I do caveat that with being white and foreign probably gives gives a certain a certain way that people are with us and it means that it's completely lovely but I also know that I have had friends who are not white who have not had a similar reception so I I absolutely adore the people and I have been treated nothing but amazingly but I also do just slightly caveat that with knowing it's not the same for everybody Mm. um but we also have friends from just such different backgrounds, people that I would never have met previously. So that's been amazing. Um, but also the diversity of what you can do there, sort of, you know, we have lovely beach days. Um, you can go skiing. There's beautiful restaurants in the in the mountains. There's hiking, beautiful, like old cultural buildings. There's just, it's just endless what you can do there. And, you know, I'm always longing to get my friends out there and let them see how beautiful it is and actually how safe it is. When my friends do come, they're always amazed that you can leave your bags in the car and no one's going to break in and steal them. And I wouldn't even think about, I mean, I have friends that are a little bit more cautious than me, but I have never, you know, I walk around with a wallet 
with cash in it because there is a cash economy. And I, you know, I don't know anyone who's been mugged. Wow. Might be changing, you know, the crisis is getting worse, but on the whole, you feel so safe. I would walk around on my own at night and not feel unsafe. Wow. I mean, also caveated with the fact that I'm nearly six foot tall, but (laughs) You're nearly six foot tall? I'm six foot three. Oh, okay. You'd be very safe too then. Yes, great. (laughs) (laughs) Now I know. Okay. I don't walk around at night by myself in New York City. So got to come to Lebanon. I wouldn't do it in London. It's so Mm -hmm. bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. That's so strange. Yeah. But, but that sounds lovely with like beach days and the mountain skiing. So you, so you've got like all aspects, all the, everything that you want to do there. And the food. How did we not mention the food? Yes. What, what is the food of choice? What is your favorite? Is it too cliche to say hummus? (laughs) (laughs) No, that sounds so good. The hummus, the salads, some fresh fish, although I try to eat less of that. Mm. Um, but the kebabs, the pomegranate seeds on everything, the baba ganoush. Oh, the food is just... Okay, I'm ready to go today. Yeah, I'm waiting. <laughs> I'm waiting for you, Alice. Yes. <laughs> now, so can you talk to me a little bit about Wing Woman Lebanon? What is it? Yeah, of course. So, I mean, when you mentioned the explosion actually earlier and and all the awful things, you know, there's no, there are no real positives, but I guess the silver lining is that we we ended up doing a fundraiser and that led me to see how you can raise money. You know, I just thought, you know, even if I'd had these ideas about doing a project, I would not have known how to start. Anyway, we did a big fundraiser and through that, we did a lot of rebuilding projects in Beirut and met a lady who taught some sewing classes before. Simultaneously, I had some friends who lived in the refugee camp in Beirut in Shatila, who were saying that they were going more mad than they were before. You know, they're spending so much time in their houses with all their children, not in school, no work, etc. So Wing Women basically started just as like a psychosocial support, fun, meet other women and I just invited a few of the women that I knew from different parts of Shatila just to come once a week and we could all just have a bit of a gossip good for me to practice my Arabic um, which is still fairly hopeless um, and just for them to meet other people living in their communities too um, and then not very far in the women were like I mean this has all been driven by the women they were like this is great but we need to make some money you know things are terrible you know I don't think they felt they were wasting their time because there weren't there aren't really jobs available but they needed to make money if there was an opportunity so we then had a bit of a thing we I have to give credit to this lovely company in London who do really lovely lingerie called Fruity Booty who Hmm. really helped us on our journey they they supported us to make some handbags to start with which they then sold for us and gave us all the profits Wow! and without that I don't think we'd have had the confidence to go on I think I did realize in that process that I cannot really be involved in designing handbags because I don't have the skills or probably the passion um not to say that I wasn't incredibly grateful for the opportunity um 
And then we were just trying to think of something, you know, in a financial crisis, you don't want to be selling a luxury item anyway. Mm -hmm. So we were trying to think what would be actually something useful. And through the things that I follow on Instagram or wherever, you know, this is not a novel idea. We decided to try and make reusable period pads. And then a lovely organization called the Patch and Mama Project. Um, I reached out to them and they supported us and gave us advice and helped us provide materials and stuff. And then, so we started making them. It was very interesting with the women about um, trying to, I don't want to say convince because I like to think we kind of all did it together, but they were very open to try, but they weren't sure about the idea of reusable pads. Okay. Um, so, I foolishly was kind of pushing for the environmental aspect because that's the bit that I feel quite passionate about. Um, whereas once we started talking about the financial savings that could be made through these pads, I think the women saw saw a bit more of a benefit. Okay. And then we slightly gained confidence when they started making extra ones in their free time for their friends. And the friends were demanding them. And then that was that was for me when I kind of thought, okay, maybe, maybe we could actually make these and sell these um a struggle has been that it you can't make these very cheap you know oh want, really i'm sorry i should probably explain what wing woman is so now we basically provide livelihoods through the production distribution sale and the use of reusable essential items so it's gone from being period pads and period poverty awareness sessions to also reusable diapers Oh, and then wow. we use the waste from our reusable diapers to make reusable breast pads for breastfeeding mums. Mm. Um, so a, a big part of what we do is the periods, for sure. And we've only just finished the training on the diapers. Um, but yeah, getting getting the women engaged in the products too has been super interesting and now completely passionate and set up awareness sessions with their friends in the communities just doing it by themselves is so so lovely to see and I think that's given me a sense that these women feel very empowered you know they really do feel they are giving back to their communities not you know we try very hard my co-founder and I to not dictate everything and very much include the women in the decision making process and let them guide where we go obviously we are getting a lot of advice from other people too so that's really useful but when there's things that we're not sure about what to do we go back to the women and ask them what they think um and try to engage them from the start too wow, um, wow. and so far i think we've sold over twenty-five thousand reusable pads that's amazing um, really exciting just so i mean exciting and sad in a way because sad in that people are super desperate and this feels like but but exciting because it's a sustainable solution it, it's going to last a long time um and we're really trying to push to have more of our awareness sessions go alongside the pad distribution because we feel period property is so multifaceted it's not just products it's you know mm -hmm. it's i mean we have learned so much through our awareness sessions of how little knowledge people have on this and and the women that we've we've spoken to are, are also very open and acknowledging of the fact that they didn't have this knowledge and it is crazy so we've got to stop and talk about our sponsor jubilance for pms 
It's a daily supplement that helps you be you. Gbulance is an over-the-counter nutritional supplement shown in clinical trials to relieve the emotional symptoms of PMS. That means less stress, anxiety, and more of getting back to your life. You deserve to be your best self all month long. And thanks to modern science, PMS is now optional. It's the first and only product for emotional PMS backed by real science with double-blind, placebo-controlled, peer-reviewed studies. And it works. I work for Jubilance because I'm here to help women, and this is the real deal. Jubilance isn't just a product. It's a global mission to make PMS mood swings a thing of the past. The Jubilance Sisterhood is a movement of thousands of strong women escaping the PMS struggle with science, sharing, and communal support. We're here for you each week with stories of amazing women, your weekly playlist on Spotify, and for you to dish and cry about periods on our Facebook group. So why not give Jubilance a try? Go to www.jubilance.com to learn more. What what are the things that they don't understand about period uh, administration or period poverty? I mean, there's a lot of myths and taboos. But also, yeah, and actually that's that's a big part of it. We were at a, um, uh, a conference, we were invited to speak at a conference about a project where there were all these young women from the MENA region, the Middle East and North Africa, um, who were at university studying. And one of the women asked um, if she could shower on her period. And, you know, we, we have learned that, you know, this is completely normal that people have this myth in this in this region. Mm-hmm. And... Amina answered very, you know, unjudgmentally and explained the situation and doctors say this is fine. And actually she came up to us afterwards and we're like, was, and she said, this is crazy. If someone like me with this much access to information with this level of education, and I'm still, I still have these myths that I believe in because my mom keeps telling me that they're true. There's something more that we need to do here. So moments like this have just made us realize how much we need to push for the education side of thing if we really do actually care about period poverty wow Um, i think obviously having the products is is awesome and the feedback we often get from women is that they just feel more relaxed knowing they have something every month Mm -hmm. even if it's not their their desired perfect solution if they would rather disposables but the comfort of knowing that they do have something it comes back in the feedback a lot, wow. which was interesting for us. I didn't really expect that at all. So are you selling the period products and the, the reusable pads to the community of the women that are that are making making these? Good question. I should have clarified that. No, so we we sell to NGOs. Oh, okay. I feel okay. that is how we will get them to the people who are most vulnerable. Gotcha. They're expensive if you are if you do not have access to to funds um and but we also sell a little bit individually if people reach out to us and say i've seen what you're doing i would like some pads we will do that but it's not our main thing um and then the other thing is we have a small fund that we fundraise for so that we are able to give them away if anyone approaches us you know we get people reaching out on instagram saying i'm really desperate and i can't afford these please could you help then we we don't want to say no to those people either. So mainly through NGOs. So that is how we kind of, that's our business model. That's how we manage to provide cash for work for these women. Oh, wonderful. Um, and sustain ourselves because I feel that, and for us, that's super important. Mm-hmm. 
So are you able to hire more women now that you've like expanded to like diapers and the breast pads as well? Are these different women creating um, these products? Yeah. So we have eight women who work on the pads at the moment and we have eight women who work on the diapers. So these these are jobs that are reliable, full time. Um, And then we have 11 part time jobs. Mm -hmm. and hopefully we are about to receive a grant that will enable us to employ another eight women in a different region too which is fun for us just I mean Lebanon's very small so it's not as exciting as it sounds but it's just fun fun to be able to target another population yeah Um, we'll be hopefully able to do pads and diapers depending on what we are in need of wow that's wonderful. So are you mostly sustained through grants or through donations or through selling to the NGOs? Um, mainly through sales. Okay. That, is our, that is our business model. We never plan to fundraise. Mm-hmm. Um, but I say that we, we always plan to fundraise for new hubs. So when we want to buy machines for the women, um, then we would do that through a grant. And actually something I haven't mentioned is that a big part of what we try to do is ensure that the women are able to access the work you know we don't want any discrimination on women in the workplace so what we've done is every woman gets given a sewing machine um, which she then solely pays us back for over time through her salary um, at a rate that is suitable for her Um, so they work in their house it kind of fits around their childcare um, responsibilities any other responsibilities they have and more equally equally as important is around the electricity Um, so they can work as and when they have electricity but we just try to be as flexible as possible we don't want you know if it's if children is the problem causing someone not to be able to attend bring the children like that it just isn't a big deal and luckily people are very relaxed in Lebanon so if you're doing a training there's a couple of children around nobody seems to mind so it does it does sort of work wow that's that's wonderful um you you're employing so many people which is amazing and i never even thought about like the electricity situation um problematic to say the least (laughs) yeah wow um but wonderful that they can work from home and um just be able to like i mean women have so many duties in the household um as yeah especially um i don't know yeah but so uh that's great that they're able to both like be able to take care of their kids and and work at the same time um yeah Yeah. um and so i'm curious where do you see wing woman going in the future well i mean obviously we are always looking for ways to employ more women in lebanon um we also see the need for men to be involved in this conversation you know, we do our awareness sessions, the women get super excited and super empowered and sometimes quite angry mm. at the fact that they've never been allowed to speak about this. This is such a normal thing. And you see them, you know, I don't always fully understand because my Arabic is not by any means perfect, but I, they stand up, they stand up and they're like punching the air in, in expression of how they feel about this. But then we worry that all of that effort that goes into those sessions and the women have these conversations and open up about things they've possibly not spoken about before. And then they go home and again, they can't speak about it. Mm -hmm. Or 
so, so we're as much as we try in the sessions we sort of do role plays about how to what to say if your son finds your pads in the cupboard like don't shy away if you can try and explain what they're for and where they come from and just make this whole thing normal but we are thinking that we need to do some more work with the men about how normal this is because we have two men on our team and not only has it helped to make the women more comfortable talking about this in front of men it has also made it all very normal for them too mm. um so I, I don't feel it takes a lot i feel it's not something that you know obviously with some serious planning and consideration about how to run the session but i don't think it's very difficult it's so obvious once you actually open up the conversation mm-hmm. that i'm sure we will have challenges and and things will come up that we haven't thought about but i do think that's doable but in terms of people often ask us if we're trying to get into other countries and actually what we say to that is if if we ever meet an organization who's interested or they reach out and they want help we just give them everything tell them how what we've done how we've we what we've found what we've used we, you know we're not protective about this we just want more women with pads more people who menstruate with pads more anyone that needs them has them mm-hmm. um and we feel it would be silly for us to massively increase our capacity and then be having to ship products. Mm-hmm. That to us seems to go against our environmental principles, which I am super passionate about, but my co-founder is even more passionate about. So I think for her, for Jade, shipping things to Africa or across, even across to Syria seems silly when we could just be training women in those countries to make them because it's not difficult. You know, if anyone does listen who's thinking about doing this, it is... It's not a difficult thing to do. You just need a bit of energy to organize it all, I'd say. Yeah, that, that's wonderful. I think that's a great idea of just like you, you're able to like help women in these separate countries because then because then you're employing those women too, mm-hmm. which is wonderful and and really great. Also, I want to like talk about how you want to educate the men as well on what is happening to women's bodies. I mean, that's an issue here in the United States. I'm sure it is in the UK yeah. too. Like some of my partners have been like, "What is this? Like, how do you use this? Like plastic? Oh, it's in plastic. Yeah. Oh, but um." Yeah, I, I think it's a great question of how do we like start to talk about it? And and that's great just saying like your son finds the pad. Hey, this is what it's for. This is what this thing is. Mm. As opposed to shying away and it being like this taboo subject, like you were saying. Yeah, and it's also quite fun. The role plays, I mean, we're always all in hysterics. We do another one where um if you're buying pads in a pharmacy and the pharmacist insists that you put them in a black bag, what are you going to do? And I mean, we don't expect women to go away and fight with the pharmacist, but you know, it's just <laughs> making a point and they get really angry and it is very funny. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, it's so good. It's just, it's so fun to watch just people. Cause also that is the joy of training on a taboo topic is it's a bit silly too like people are very mm-hmm. ready to giggle about it because everyone's a bit nervous nobody knows what to say yeah and then yeah then they're just silly which is just great. <laughs> that's wonderful and really something that we always ask on this podcast is what is your definition of womanhood mm. I god I think it is if you are someone who identifies as a woman, it is whatever you feel you are. I like, you know, someone who's always been called a tomboy. And I would now I fight back with my mum and say, Mum, I'm just a girl that likes being outdoors, not a boy. Like, 
that drives me a bit nuts. Why does why do I have to be defined by being particularly feminine? I think it's whatever you feel you are and you are a woman, that is for me womanhood, because I know I'm not particularly conforming. I wouldn't say I'm completely off off confirmation, but yeah, not whatever you think you are. What a great definition. I love it. Whatever you think you are, you are. That, that's brilliant. That is, if you are a woman and you feel something, that is womanhood. Yeah, perfect. Um, and Mealy, is there anything else you'd like to add? How do people find out more about um, Wing Woman Lebanon? Oh, well, we're very much in the process of trying to set up our website. Um, but we are on Instagram at Wing Woman Lebanon. So please come and follow us. And if you're bored feel free to like every single photo because that helps <laughs> other people find us <laughs> um but yeah I mean just keep keep an eye on what we're up to we just love hearing people's comments and any support or if anyone is looking for any volunteer activity and has a skill to offer we are open to everything and everything everything and anything and any ideas so yeah anything really Awesome. Thank you so much for being on, Mealy. It's so nice to get to talk oh, to you. Thank you for having me. It's been oh, quite jolly. Thanks for listening to Weekly Woman by Jubilance for PMS. If you like the podcast, please review us on iTunes. It really does help. And if you want to take advantage of our special offer to help your PMS turn from stressful to nonchalant, use the promo code WEEKLYWOMAN with no space in between the two words at jubilance.com. Again, the promo code is weekly woman. Thanks for listening and see you next time.